Hi, everyone. I'm Rebecca Gagan, and this is Waving Not Drowning, a UVic Bounce podcast. Today's episode is being recorded on the unceded and unsurrendered territories of the Wasanich and Lekwungen peoples. In today's episode, I talk with Chirong Kim, a Korean-Canadian filmmaker and photographer. Born in Berlin, raised in Seoul, and now living in Toronto, she experienced distinct cultural landscapes as a hybrid and transversal nomad. She completed her master's degree at the University of Victoria in BC, focusing on German fantasy fiction, an expertise that she hopes to infuse into her creative work someday. She has recently worked on season three of the History Channel series, History Erased, and was nominated for the 2022 Canadian Screen Awards, Barbara Sears Award for Best Editorial Research. Chirong has actively contributed her filmmaking and photography skills to the awareness of human rights issues, such as Holocaust education, mental health, disability awareness and inclusion, preservation of First Nations culture, and prevention of sexual violence on campus. Chirong's photography received multiple awards from the University of Victoria, and her published credits include CBC, Huffington Post, Toronto Arts Council, Czech News, and Times Colonist. It was such a joy to be able to talk with Chirong, someone who has been supportive of Bounce and so fundamental to the creation of Bounce uh, from the very beginning. As we talk about in this episode, it was Chirong who filmed all of our uh, amazing videos in which faculty share their stories. Um, and it is now Chirong who's working on an exciting new project with Bounce to be able to share uh, the stories from our podcast even more widely. As is always the case when I sit down to talk with members of the Bounce team, I realize that um, there is so much that they bring to their work with Bounce um, and so much that I didn't know about their own histories and their own journeys. In our conversation, Chirong shares with me her story of starting university as a 15-year-old after having been homeschooled and all of the many adjustments that were required uh, in making that transition. Chirong shares her very painful experience of racism on campus, and she explains how she sought support and learned to advocate for herself to deal with the microaggressions and racism that she was experiencing at university. Through the process of recording this episode, Chirong and I had several conversations about whether or not to include this story of Chirong's experience of racism at the university in the episode. We decided that it was really important to keep this story in the episode, not only to raise awareness of the pervasive and persistent uh, racism that is present on campuses across this country, but also so that by sharing this story, we could engage in the active work of anti-racist pedagogy and also contributing to the work that Chirong does in almost every project with which she engages, which is about raising awareness of systemic social injustices. As we close out our conversation, I asked Chirong, as I always ask all of my guests, to share some advice or support or wisdom for others who are journeying through university. Chirong chose to offer some words of comfort and support to her younger self. 
And I just want to reflect on those words for a minute. Strong tells her younger self not to cry, that things will be okay. This is one of the most profoundly moving moments that I think I've experienced um, on this podcast. And it was because through these words, Strong shines a light on, I think, the suffering that many students experience um, as they are going through university, that real sense and fear of the unknown, of not knowing if things will be okay. As you'll hear throughout this conversation, Chirong leapt into the unknown time and time again. And so to hear her offer this comfort, not just to her younger self, but to all those who might be in pain at this moment, was just so moving to me because I think it really reflects the work that we are trying to do here at Bounce, work that Chirong has been such an important part of, and work that is meant through the sharing of stories um, to really offer that comfort. I was so struck throughout this conversation by Chirong's courage and also their vulnerability. This is a beautiful conversation and I am so honored to be able to share it with you today. I'm Rebecca Gagan here today with Chirong Kim, and this is Waving, Not Drowning. Good morning, Chirong. Welcome. Hi, Rebecca. It's great to be here. I am just thrilled to have the chance to talk to you, Chirong. It's been a few years since we've been working together. Uh, you were so uh, pivotal in really helping to launch Bounce in 2019. And uh, now I'm chatting with you from Toronto, your new home, where you moved a couple of years ago, right? Yes. Yes. And um, you graduated from UVic Chirong in... 2018, so the year before we really started uh, working together, uh, what was your de degree in that you graduated from in 2018? Um, so I graduated in 2018 um, with my master's degree in Germanic and Slavic studies um, with a focus on German fantasy fiction. And then, and your undergrad did you graduate in 2016 from your undergrad at UVic? I think there was a little bit of gap. Um, so I graduated in 2013 um, with a degree in biology. I can't wait to hear more about that huge shift from uh, biology. It's from the sciences <laughs> into the humanities. Yep. So, uh, but for now, how's Toronto? How, how is everything going there? And what are you up to? Right now, it's been snowing since last Night. Oh, I saw that. <laughs> I saw that on the news. But you know that we also have already had snow here. Oh, right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's been a fairy tale landscape. Um, I've also been um, participating as a programming committee for Toronto Real Asian Film Festival. It's one of the largest uh, Asian film festivals in North America. So that's been happening right now. And you've been doing that for a couple of, like, since you've been in Toronto, haven't you been uh, working? Yes, I have. In the community? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, you work, of course, as a uh, film editor, as a videographer, and you've been working on various projects in Toronto since you, since you moved there? Mm -hmm, I did. Uh, one of the projects that I did was uh, something called History Erased. Um, it's a series that does a thought experiment on what would happen if this object or the contributions from this country were to suddenly disappear, such as what would happen if gold suddenly disappeared all over the world? Um, it'll be chaos. Um, all the kind of gold coatings on the satellite will stop function, our electronics and all the kind of cultural um, heritage that's built on gold would be 
kind of deprived from deprived from various cultures around the world, something like that. Is that already aired, Chirong? Yes, uh, it's aired on um, History Channel Canada and uh, Stack TV, and um, it. I was nominated for Canadian Screen Awards for oh, um, editorial research. Thank you oh, for my amazing. work on the series. Although no surprise, of course, at all. Uh, your work is just incredible. And um, the videos that you filmed for Bounce um, are really just so powerful and have had um, so many views to date and are making such a difference. And certainly could not have done that without your um, really important contributions uh, in terms of photography yeah. and, and editing. Yeah, it's to me one of the most meaningful projects that I've participated in, and I'm so happy to be a part of it. Thank you for that, Shrong, and I'm really thrilled to have the chance now to interview you. So as you know, I interview uh, or chat with all of the um, uh, folks who have participated in Bounce uh, and, and worked with me on this project. And it's interesting because I feel as if while we know each other, I don't know all of your story from, um, you know, all of your journey through university. And so I'm really eager to, to hear more about your story and uh, if you're keen to share it with us. So maybe you could take us uh, back to, okay, so I'll have to do the math, but I'm thinking like around like maybe 2013, maybe, did you start your undergrad at UVic? Um, I started my undergrad in 2009. 2009, okay. So do you want to take us back to that to 2009 yes. i'm trying to think what was i doing in 2009 wow. just had a baby probably so um yeah, so so, down the memory lane down memory lane so yeah so so maybe just uh start at the beginning so i started my undergrad in 2009 um i was 15 years old at the time before then i was homeschooled um in seoul south korea and before that, I went to elementary school for about two months and then started homeschooling. Mm -hmm. So UVic was in a way um, almost the very first school system kind of experience for me after such a long while. Mm -hmm. And there was no way of knowing how the kind of system works and how everything flows and there were some also complications about um some um professors who um who doubted the qualifications that i brought from south korea oh really okay yeah. so it wasn't I, I thought you were gonna say that it was about your age uh that because you started so young at 15 mm -hmm. but that it wasn't about that. It was it was some doubt that you were actually qualified to be there in the first place. Yeah. Um, for, uh, in terms of age, it was, was actually liberating. Mm -hmm. In Korea, there's a kind of we have a clear um, system of kind of dividing people by their kind of. Uh, I'm not I'm not sure how to put a seniority in university. Right. Yeah. Like we call each other junior or senior. Um, and there are various types of um, names we we um, give to each other, like depending on how old or how young we are. Okay. Um, but once I went to university, um, there was this huge age gap between me and others. But we all call each other by names like "Hey Casey" or "Hey John," things like that. So that system of seniority didn't apply it was gone in that yeah. way right it was gone yeah and so um so you found that there were challenges around that kind of um well I think we can call it a kind of racism in a way right that a sense that your qualifications from South Korea were somehow lacking so how did you deal with that Trump? 
one day I was um, summoned by one of the instructors in a course I was taking. And once I arrived, she suddenly opened this enormous chemistry textbook and started a pop quiz right at the spot. And I was so um, surprised and confused and couldn't answer the questions. And then she said, then I guess you're out of my course and then crossed out my name in red pen in a sheet of paper that was next to her. It was a very comical, ridiculous experience. And also I would wager traumatic as well. Mm -hmm. I'm so sorry that that happened to you. Uh, it's okay because um, I got to use um, some of the university resources that I didn't know I could access. I went to ombudsperson on campus and um, it's on student union building and she was so helpful and she supported me and she kind of investigated um, and tried to be the kind of a middle point between the instructor and myself. And in the end, I was able to take her course. So I think, you know, one of the things that's important about what you've just shared among so many things, uh, Trong, is that there is a way that you can advocate for your um, for your rights and against discrimination using the uh, ombuds uh, person uh, whom mm -hmm. you did. And so um, you were able then, so you continued on in the course and I'm assuming you continued on in, in sciences. Yes. So um, what, what was, what was behind all of that? Like you're, I mean, as you'll explain, there's been a big shift out of the sciences, but did you, um, did you want to go to grad school for science or, you know, what was your interest in, in that degree? Um, at first, um, one of my childhood dreams was to be an environmental activist. Um, so I thought uh, a biology degree would help me uh, become a, would supply me with a solid background and foundation to be one. I eventually found out that a lot of the courses were more focused on memorization rather than rather than an engaging learning experience. And I was very unhappy and struggling in biology and sciences. But you did complete the degree, is that right? Yes, I managed to pull through. And as I went through the years and had access to more courses that have more specified topics that fit my interest, I found the later years in my biology degree to be more um, interesting than my earlier years. But by that time, it was too late. <laughs> so too late in what sense? You'd already made up your mind that this was not for you? <laughs> uh, kind of. Um, and also, I wish I had known about the ways of the university and the resources earlier in my studies, um, then I might have been able to kind of manage my um, studies better and then be more disciplined in a way to manage manage my courses. Mm. So do you mean, um, Chirong, when you talk about, you know, wishing that you had had a better understanding of the resources available to support you so what kinds of resources do you think would have been helpful to you? For instance, I didn't know that the library has an academic writing center as yeah. a support for students. Right. Yeah, that's yeah. it's a, it's it it provides so much support and I think mm -hmm. that students feel as if oh, well, I can only go there if my instructor is saying that I need some sort of remedial support here or something like that. When in fact, it's really meant to help students throughout their entire university uh, career, mm -hmm. um, you know, supporting them with developing writing skills. So even if you're doing very well, that you know, how to shape an essay or how to really develop those writing skills to an even uh, higher level. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And it can be accessible throughout the term. Mm -hmm. um, 
no matter what your kind of writing levels are, you can seek help there, which I didn't know about and found out way later. And by that time, my academic writing has been, was shaped into a more nicer form. <laughs> well, as I say, I think so many students, whatever campus they're on, whether that's UVic or somewhere, somewhere else, often I think figure out or f- discover too late. Mm-hmm. some of these resources that would have been so helpful or there's reasons why they don't access them again sort of feeling that oh well I don't really need I, I don't need it enough or um, that's just for people who are really really struggling with their writing which is absolutely not the case I'm a huge fan of uh, our uh, Center for Academic Communication and as you say Chirong it was also that your whole approach to your studies in terms of um, just, I think you mentioned like your sort of organization or focus like on your work and things like that might have been also helped by some of these resources that offer all kinds of workshops around how to manage Mm -hmm. your course load. Yeah. And another thing that I kind of struggled with was uh, balance. Um, So when I was homeschooled, my home was literally my school. And I could um, study um, a lot of things in the timeline that I wanted um, at any time I want. That also meant that I would be unprepared for the kind of structured experience at the university. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is that school um, experience as well does not also prepare you for the university experience. Um, In school, you have homework and various kind of additional activities that you have to kind of devote and dedicate yourself to. And it continues on to university where you have to, you find yourself thinking that you need to sacrifice so much of your life to this to the studies but by the time you graduate you feel that that's not the case with some of the workplaces Mm -hmm. you do not have to dedicate your entire self to work as you did not do that (laughs) so you found that wrong partly because now of course you're out in the workplace Mm -hmm. so it's just so helpful what you've shared here about the transition from homeschooling to university and then needing to establish um, that balance or work to to do that, right? So it sounds like maybe you threw everything at your studies at university. Would that be accurate? Um, Yes, I think so. So that there wasn't maybe the balance that you're talking about here that you sort of put... (laughs) your you know entire being into it not Mm -hmm. knowing that actually there's another way to do this where you don't have to do that right that um so that so that transition and it can be the same I think whether you're homeschooled or not that coming from high school with certain expectations coming from uh, being homeschooled and I think homeschooled adds as you say, a kind of additional complexity to it, because when you're homeschooled, it's your home. And there can also be um, ways of kind of maintaining balance, I think, when you're homeschooled, uh, in the sense that, as you say, you can still make sure you're designating times for your passions, your hobbies, your other activities. But then when you come to university, it can feel like, oh, well, none of the none of the other things that I'm doing matter right now. The only thing I need to do is focus on my studies and I'll put everything I have in into that. But then it's so interesting to me that you share, well, actually, now that I'm in the workplace, I realize, well, no, the expectation isn't that I'm working, you know, 16 hours a day on this. People go, people clock off, people stop work at a particular yeah. time and they're not you know thinking about work all night long um and it sounds like that's what you've found now that you're in the workplace mm-hmm. yes so tell me Trong, about how so you graduated from your degree in the sciences knowing that that was not what you wanted to do 
And then mate, did you take a little bit of time off between, um, your uh, BSc and your master's? Because I'm really curious to know, how did you move from the sciences to German uh, fantasy uh, fiction? Yes, uh, I was uh, born in Berlin. And so I grew up reading a lot of German children's literature and being exposed to um, German children's culture, such as um, television series, things like that. And it continued on um, when I moved to Seoul, South Korea, and I kept reading and looking for German fantasy fiction that I could find. And that was at the back of my head and I didn't know it would be the topic of my master's. Uh, I have to thank my mother for that, for giving me such a diversity in reading. Um, so, during my biology studies, um, I took some electives from Germanic studies and various topics. I found I found myself being more comfortable and happier when I was taking courses from there. And it's also a very like tightly well-knit community they have there. So after you graduated, you you did you take a couple of years, Strong? I did. Yeah. And what were you doing during the, the time in between? So after graduating in 2013, I took some time off um, volunteering in various places, um, such as national parks and um, student newspaper and also in some of the biology labs, um, just trying to find my kind of path of interest mm -hmm. so you're just exposing yourself to as many different kinds of opportunities as you could during that time and I'm guessing also reading mm -hmm. German fantasy fiction yes mm -hmm. so you decided to reapply like to apply at to UVic to do your master's and and switching faculties into humanities so during the time I took electives during my biology studies, I found myself uh, um, really engaged with the faculty of Germanic studies and they were also really wonderful professors mm -hmm. trying to make sure that the students perform the best and they they understand things. And they they always try to make sure that they are understood and mm they are understood by the students, which was a very different dynamic from biology because you will be um, sitting amongst hundreds of students in first year in a large auditorium. So this kind of, um, so this closer, more engaging dynamic appealed to me greatly. Mm -hmm. It was more personal, it sounds. Mm -hmm. More personal. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to keep learning with them. Mm -hmm. It's one of the reasons why I applied to um, Germanic Studies Masters. And I think I started my MA in 20, 2015, I believe. So, Trong, it already sounds as if you had selected a program that was going to give you a very different experience than your undergrad. So really moving from um, perhaps a, a more um, competitive in certain ways, but also less personal environment into one in which, as you said, it was um, a smaller, closer knit community, um, more personal, but a group with whom you wanted to learn. And I, I think that's also so important that you went from a degree which you were really kind of struggling to feel passionate about. And that by the end, you knew that was not where you wanted to go. So tell me a bit about what was different doing your master's degree in humanities, uh, but also in general doing a graduate degree 
with all of the knowledge that you had from your university experience already, like your undergrad experience? The transition from biology to Germanic studies surprised me in various unexpected ways, such as uh, the writing style, the citation style that you have to <laughs> learn from the very beginning. Yes. Uh, what was uh, interesting about Germanic studies is that in first and second year of the master's, they will give you an introductory course on writing for master's degree mm -hmm. and theoretical practice. All the toolkits that you would need when you go into writing your thesis. Mm -hmm which I found was very helpful. And I was surrounded with friends with similar interests and being in the same department. So it made my master's experience much more um, interesting and comfortable because I had friends I could go to and chat about mm -hmm. specific topics. And how did you start because I think you started when you were doing your master's to get involved with film uh film work and photography how did that happen um it's actually a long story okay <laughs> you can dance it um I was really interested in film and photography from when I was very young um I would drag my parents to see the latest releases in the cinema and my mother also worked as a photographer, and I got a lot of my gears from her. And while I was uh, working at the student newspaper, I got to um, practice more of that on a little bit of more professional level. Mm. And in the department, I started taking pictures of the events and taking videos. And in one of the courses um, which was about putting on a play in German for the local audiences uh, it was a very interesting course by Dr. Elena Pnevmonitu my lovely sister supervisor and I offered to make a video series that follows the students and the progress of the play a kind of behind the scenes video of the play and they performed really well and word got around and I found myself out going, visiting various departments and interacting with them and taking pictures and videos for them. And it was uh, one of the best experiences because it exposed me to events and, mm -hmm. and all the lovely people that I not, that I would not have met if I was just uh up in my office mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that's of course how we got to know each other because mm -hmm. I was advised that I must meet Jerome <laughs> if I was wanting to make these bounce videos uh and uh so word had certainly got around about your immense talent and mm -hmm. uh, so so it's interesting to me Jerome that you you know you made this move into um your master's, you know, really in a, in a human, in, in the faculty of humanities. And then it also allowed you to start to really develop and explore these other interests. It's fascinating to me that you said, well, my interest in German fantasy fiction was from childhood. My interest in photography was from childhood, right? That uh, the breadcrumbs were all there. They were all there. <laughs> and I, I just, I love that idea. The, the breadcrumbs were there. And so if you think about your path, you, I, I wouldn't say you stepped off the path doing sciences. I mean, that's such an important part of your journey, but it was kind of like you, you did that and you had to really listen to yourself though, right? So like honor yourself and not um, really silence those voices or that voice that's saying, um, oh, I don't think this is for you or I don't think you like this, right? You don't like, you know, this, the sciences, you don't want to do that. I think that students tend to feel 
a lot of pressure, right? So they might hear that voice. They might see the breadcrumbs, right, from mm -hmm. their childhood, but either silence the voice um, or ignore the breadcrumbs. And you didn't do that. I think being put in an environment where I could flourish my interests mm -hmm. also led to kind of nourishment and further flourishing of my other interests. Yeah, I mean, I think you you followed your passion for German fantasy fiction. Maybe not knowing where that was going to take you, right? You knew it was going to take you into the master's, but you sort of followed that. Uh, and probably at the time, I'm guessing you weren't too sure where that would go, but that you were going to follow that interest. And then it, it led to, as you say, this profound flourishing um, in film and these other, you know, areas that were um, interesting to you. Mm -hmm. So you finished your degree and then you made another very massive transition to Toronto yes. and into really into working in film. So can you share a little bit about, um, about that transition? And, and you said to me um, earlier, Chirong, uh, that you felt the humanities had prepared you for that transition in some ways. So when people think of humanity, um, I guess the first impression would be very niche studies and um, something that is very distant from the world. But in fact, it is not at all the case. Um, humanity um, monitors and traces the steps of human culture, history, and language and art in so many ways that it it is like a gem of various facets. In one place, like you would go in and have and observe a virtual ninja tournament, like a Street Fighter tournament. <laughs> Yeah, in other room, you would go in and find um, a drum making workshop with indigenous elders. Mm -hmm. So humanities has the capacity to connect you across so many disciplines. Mm -hmm. And during my time in humanities, I also heard that it is one of the most interdisciplinary faculty in all of Canada which I, the UVic's Faculty of Humanities, mm -hmm. which I have no doubt about it. And it allowed you then, Sharong, with that diversity and interdisciplinarity to mm -hmm. develop your own interests that were very um, diverse. Mm -hmm. And also another thing that I gained from humanities and my grad studies is um, um, research skills, mm -hmm. kind of strategies and of the strategies of making use of the resources that you have with you and being a detective and tracing the steps in the topics that you want to find, the kind of hours of dives into the papers. So writing those papers, and that has uh, served you very well, it seems, when you were working, doing research for the History Channel. Mm -hmm. um, so when I arrived in Toronto, um, the series was in search of a Korean language researcher who could connect with um, various institutions in Korea so that they would so that they would be able to have access to various uh, visual materials and resources that they would like to seek for their episode about Korea. Um, as I mentioned earlier, the series is about what would happen if the contribution of certain country were to disappear. So I participated in the episode that was about Korea and they, they really liked my work and I joined as an associate producer in the next season. Wow. Again, no surprise strong, but amazing. And as you said, it was using those skills that you had learned from your graduate degree. 
so looking back, Chirong, it seems as if you can see all of the ways in which um, your graduate degree uh, really gave you the skills to um, really build a career as you are now in um, in film, uh, videography, and all, as you say, all aspects of film. So doing the research to produce a program that you had those skills coming out of your master's degree. And I'm just curious, Chirong, about looking back on your journey. And so here you are in Toronto, you know, we're talking over Zoom from Toronto where you are working um, in film. And we've been you know, talking about how you started out in the sciences. So I have a couple of questions. The first is, when you look back on your journey now, how do you see it or what have you sort of gleaned from it? So that's sort of the first question. And the next one is, which I ask all of my guests, if you were to say, you know, talk with students who are just starting post-secondary, whether that's at the age of 15 or, you know, 35, <laughs> what might you share with them in terms of um, just words of support or guidance or advice? Um, yeah, what might you say? So a couple of questions there. So I think I can answer both questions together. I wish I had known earlier that you are not supposed to have everything figured out by this time you start university. Mm -hmm. University is in many ways a symbol of or a sign of adulthood, um, adult responsibility for many people. And as a result, we kind of feel this pressure to have things all figured out that we, we should know, like we should be knowing how to deal with this kind of stuff, to deal, to deal with this, all the struggles. Mm -hmm. And it also kind of leads to embarrassment and kind of, reluctance to reach out to people who might be able to help because deep inside you have this belief that oh I'm supposed to have this all figured out um, um like I'm in a university I why am I like this mm -hmm. so it's okay if you if you haven't figured it all out a lot of people are <laughs> you are in the same room with a lot of people who also haven't figured things out. I think I'm still figuring things out. <laughs> Actually, me too. <laughs> uh, and I think, I mean, Sharonga, it's interesting to me because you, you started uh, at 15, as you've shared, and felt at that young age that you had to have it all figured out, that you, that it was, mm -hmm. okay, I'm in university now. Um, that must mean that I should know what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And as you've said, what that leads to for so many students is kind of shame or use the word embarrassment around asking for help when you don't know what you're doing mm -hmm. and feeling like, well, I'll just have to solve this or figure this out myself because I'm at, I'm at university, I'm an adult, I should be able to handle this, or I should be able to figure this out. When that's absolutely not the case, it's just that it's that pressure, which I think students experience, right, to, 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 to somehow um, have it all sorted. When, in fact, I don't know that anyone does, right? I mean, they might look like it. But probably um you know every student is grappling with questions and uncertainties and insecurities and also not um not necessarily knowing what the path is mm -hmm. and it, it sounds to me strong as if um you in feeling that you were doing your undergrad degree sort of on one path, right? So trying to play the, be the adult and do the degree, 
and not really knowing if that's what you wanted that you know is that what i want i don't know but i'll keep doing this because that's that's the expectation working on bounds and editing all the interviews def- has definitely made me look back at my school experiences and with a renewed set of eyes seeing all the contributors being open about their university experience um being brave to share the things that a lot of people are having trouble kind of uh, confessing or sharing and admitting um made me kind of look back at my studies and it made me wish I could talk to my younger self and say this isn't the end of the world you don't have to cry Chirong I think it's so meaningful and uh, powerful to share that if you could talk to your younger self you would say you know it will be okay. Don't, don't cry because I think it can be very hard in the moment for students who are really trying to, as you've shared, um, sort of adult in the way that they feel, oh, I'm at university. So I can't, I can't share this, but what I'm going through, whatever it is, feels very painful and does feel like the end of the world. And so I, I am confident that your words, even though you you can't really go back in time and, and say them to yourself, but saying them now, I think will be of great comfort to students who are feeling in that moment as if things are not going to be okay. Mm-hmm. So thank you for, for sharing that because I think that, um, so many students just feel very alone in it and feel that they can't share their story. They can't reach out to other people. And so, yes, as you've said, Bounce is all about trying to share their stories and really the vulnerability and bravery of faculty and students to reflect on their own experiences and tell it like it is. To, to be able to say, well, this is actually what I experienced. This is how I felt. Um, there is, what I know now is that there is no expectation to have it all figured out, um, that there will be challenges, that it, there will be those obstacles in those moments where you feel like the world is ending. Yeah, uh, I hope engaging with Bounds through videos and podcasts will embolden the students. And Shrong, I just want to thank you so much for being here today and for sharing your story and your journey, which um, I really just, I, I, I loved hearing how you had those breadcrumbs in your childhood and then you followed them so that your journey, it kind of led you back to them in certain ways that I think came about in, in, in large part because you did listen to yourself and to the things that made you happy and joyful. It wasn't just that sciences weren't for you. It was that you tuned into where, you know, what kinds of learning environments worked for you, right? Like what, what, what kinds of material brought you joy, fueled your passion, like you use the word nourishing. And so it wasn't an accident, I would say, that you ended up now here in Toronto and working in this field, that you made decisions to choose what nourished you over and over again, right? That you you were able to recognize that the sciences and that learning environment wasn't nourishing for you but that humanities was, and within the humanities, that specific department, but it was also that particular way of learning. When you said, oh, I wanted to learn with these people. It just really struck me that you had this sense 
and you followed it of how did you thrive? Like in what conditions would you thrive? Would your passions be fueled? Um, in what environment could you follow those breadcrumbs from childhood? And so your sense of not knowing in undergrad, I mean, even though there was a lot of pressure to feel that you had to figure it out perhaps, and you know, like all university students that you had your career sorted, your questioning, your um, kind of, you know, your ability to embrace, I think, the unknown, and then to sort of follow that really brought you into this space where you're now doing work that you love, that nourishes you. And it took, it was a journey from, as you say, from 2009 to now, and you gave it the time that it needed to the time that you needed to follow those breadcrumbs, but also to kind of rediscover them. And mm-hmm. so I think that that too is such um, just a powerful story for students or for anyone who's listening, right? That it can take time uh, to to rediscover those those breadcrumbs, but also to figure out in what environment do you thrive? And knowing what that environment is, how do you get there, right? Like, how do you make choices so that you can live in that environment in terms of um, whether that's your workplace or whether that's uh, at school? So thank you for sharing that, because I think that that's also a huge piece for students. Mm -hmm. And thank you for um, having me here. It's as I said earlier, it's really meaningful to be back here after working with you in the early days of Bounce. And here we are. Yeah. Almost 40 podcast episodes in. And mm-hmm. uh, um, and we're working together again on an exciting new project, which we will share with our Bounce community mm-hmm. in the coming months. Looking forward to it. Thanks again, Chirong. Thank you. Rest of your day in snowy Toronto. Thank you. You too. Bye. You can keep listening to episodes of Waving Not Drowning on Anchor FM, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcasts. We'd love it if you would give us a like and a follow on Instagram at Uvic Bounce. Tune in next week for another great conversation. Until then, be well.